share with you. I, uh, I wanted to send out uh, Brother Ramsey about uh, collecting some money to help them with, and I got Mary to help me get out the letter, and uh, I told her I'd give her all these addresses and things. I wanted to send it to everybody that I could even think about, and uh, she, <laughs> I didn't even realize some of the people that's been writing back to me that I told her to, to, to send the letter out to. But uh, I got uh, from one of my old secretaries from years ago, sent us $100 for it. Then uh, some friends of ours up in Jacksonville, I've been praying for, uh, his daddy was dying. In fact, he did die. But I was praying that he would get saved before he died. And uh, he called me and told me that the preacher got in to see him and led him to the Lord Amen. before he died. And then a while ago, I got a, a letter in the mail, and from that couple from Jacksonville, they sent us another $200 for the missionary. And I didn't know you sent them a letter, but uh, it's so uh, wonderful. It's strange what God uses, isn't it? It really is. And besides that, he said in the next couple of weeks he wants to come down and talk to me. And I'm praying that uh, him and his wife get saved. Because I, I don't think they are. They've never given me any indication they are. And I've talked to them several times. He's one of these kind of guys that you talk to and and they know more than you do. You know what I mean? And uh, But uh, I'm real anxious about it and I wish you'd pray about it because I... Uh, God is using strange things to get His job done lately. He really is, and I'm, I'm so thankful for it. I can't get over the number of people that is being reached by this YouTube thing and, and uh, this uh, podcast. Uh, it amazes me, and I thank God for it every day of my life. But uh, God's working in people's lives, and I love to hear it and see it. I do believe by tonight... Uh, when I go home and count it all up, we'll have $1,500, right at $1,500 to send to the missionary. And I think that's a miracle in itself. Uh, and uh, I called him, and he's so thankful, and he wants to thank everybody for helping out. Tonight, if you would please, uh, Psalm 61. I want to begin to read verse 1. Psalms 51, verse 1. Hear my cry, O God. Attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings, Selah. For thou, O God, hast heard my vows Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. O prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. So will I sing praise unto thy name forever that I may daily perform my vows. Now, before I get started, I want to share this with you. A uh, man called me and asked me to pray about some things. He's going through a hard time, and he has a company. And uh, I prayed with him and talked to him about it. And uh, two different people have asked me to do this, and God is blessed. And uh, 
I've showed them how that uh, the government is giving money to help companies and people to keep going. And uh, one man's got, uh, so far, has got nearly $350,000 back from it. Another man just called me yesterday and said, I can't believe it, preacher. If he said in the next couple of weeks, they said they're going to send me $133,000 to keep my company going. And, and they don't know how to pay it back. And I thank God for it. Now, I only told you that for this reason. Another man called me and he said, Now, preacher, I, I want to make a vow to God that I will give this much and what he wants to expect back from God by giving a vow. Now, I want to, I want to tell you something, folks. If you make a vow to God, whatever you've got, now I want you to listen to me, whatever you've got, God bless you, it's yours. Okay? God never asked you for it. He asked you to give back to Him for tithes and offering. That belongs to God, all right? Above that is out of your heart. But if you open your mouth to God and make a vow to God that you will do a certain thing for God, you better do it. If you don't, it's like I, a man told me one time years ago, God will get His if He has to put you in the hospital and take it out in the hospital. Amen? And, and I believe that with all my heart. Now, what I'm saying is, if you make a vow, notice what this is talking about here, and, and this ain't even the message, but I was reading it, and I said, you know, that's exactly what I was trying to talk to this fellow about uh, just this week. Uh, years ago, a man come to me, and he said, Preacher, I, I have felt like the, the church has come by, and they want me to make a, a faith promise giving to the church. If I make this much, will I promise to give God this much? I said, I don't believe in that. Now, I just don't. Uh, that's between me and the Lord. But uh, I know a lot of preachers raise money in that area. I said, you listen to me very carefully. Like I said, your tithes and offerings belong to God. Then out of a, a grateful heart, you give tithes and offerings to the Lord. But once you open your mouth and promise God something, you better keep it. Amen. And so, be careful. The Bible says, guard your mouth when you're in the presence of God. Don't make a foolish vow to God. Make something that you can do. Amen? If I'm not making but $10 an hour, it would be foolish for me to come there on Sunday morning and say, Lord, I vow I'll give you $1,000 next Sunday. Well, I don't know where I'm going to get it. Amen? And so it would be foolish for me to do that. Now, I'll hush on that part. But anyhow, isn't it good how God bless? Listen to me. If the government is going to give away this money to help companies, don't you think God's people have got a right to it as much as the ungodly people have got a right to it? I do. They're going to give it to somebody. They're going to do it. Uh, by the way, they'll get it back from you from taxes sooner or later. But uh, at the same time, they're going to give it away, and they already got it designated. Uh, billions laying there. And so... Uh, I just want to help our people. I really do. And I thank God for it. Now, tonight I want to talk about the rock that is higher than I. If you go through the Bible, you'll find that God uses many symbols in the Bible to give a clear picture of the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Uh, he used in many of these, such as, Jesus said, I am the door. He said, I am the light. I am the way. I am the water of life. And the bread of life. Now, Jesus was saying uh, what he was to mean to those who trust him. 
Jesus means all these things to us. He's the door into eternal life. He's the light into the world. He's the way. He's the water of life. He's the bread of life. He's all those things to us. The Old Testament saints also use symbols to picture what God meant to them. And here in Psalm 61, David uses one that used so many books of the Bible. David said, uh, Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. One of the most beautiful hymns is to me the Rock of Ages. I was saying this morning, and I'm glad my wife weren't here when I said it, but my about that steel guitar playing that picture my grandson found on the thing, but I hope you don't remember that part. But anyhow, uh, I was saying this morning and going through that, that... Uh, about a steel guitar. Well, I, one of the first instruments that I was trying to play was a steel guitar. And I did learn how to play Rock of Ages. It's the only song I ever learned to play in my life, but I learned to play that one. But the memory went away soon. I don't know how to do it anymore, but I still love that song. Second Samuel 22, verse 2, After David had been delivered from all his enemies, he said, The Lord is my rock, and my fortress, and deliver. The New Testament makes it very plain that Jesus is this rock. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 4. And did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Now, listen to these five ways that I want to give it to you tonight that Jesus is pictured in the Bible as the great rock to those who trust Him. Number one, He's the smitten rock. Turn over to Exodus for me just a minute. In the book of Exodus chapter 17, look at verse 5 and verse 6. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the Lord and take with thee of the elders of Israel and thy rod, wherewith thou smotest the river, Take in thy hand and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. Now the people of God are dying here. Get this picture for just a minute. They're dying of thirst. And Moses cries out to God for water. And God tells Moses to smite the rock, and living water will come out of it. That smitten rock is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, dying for us on Calvary. He was smitten on Calvary. Three things about the rock uh, and water at Horeb. Number one, it was free. It cost Israelites absolutely nothing. It was completely free. Did you know salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ don't cost you anything? It's absolutely free. The water of life, which is Christ, is God's gift to, uh, to men. The water that came from the rock was abundant. There was plenty of it. You think about it. Over two, uh, around two million Jews out there in that desert dry place, and they all drank of that rock. So it was abundant. Revelation 22, verse 17. Whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. You know what I like about preaching? I can say the water of life is plentiful. It's not, it's not just good enough for me and enough for you. It's enough for the whole world. Amen? John 3.16 That water of Horeb was near, close at hand. Romans 8 verse 8 says, The word is nigh thee in, in thy mouth. Now in other words then, Jesus is everywhere. In the church, 
uh, out of the church, uh, on the highway, anywhere a person wants to meet Jesus, He's there. Amen? That Jesus is the life-giving rock. Can I back up just a minute and share something with you? There's a great doctrinal truth told about that rock where Moses smote the rock. In one portion you'll find that the children of Israel was needing a drink and, and God told Moses to smite the rock. Another portion you come to and they was uh, grumbling, they needed water, and God told Moses, go speak to the rock. And Moses disobeyed God and he smote the rock instead of speaking to it. That's a type of salvation. You get saved once. Jesus will be crucified once. From that time on, you don't, cru- you don't crucify Him again. If you need something from God from that time on, you just speak to Him. You pray to Him and ask Him for it. And it's a perfect type of salvation. Now, here's a great Bible doctrine. The rock, Jesus, is smitten only once for the guilt of sin. The rock Jesus spoken to is for our grace and power. We don't pray for salvation over and over again then. That's the reason he said you strike the rock once and you pray to the rock next. Uh, and you give all the water and grace that you need. And today then, we don't crucify the Lord Jesus twice. The Bible, I, I got a friend of mine that believes that you can lose your salvation. And I always tell him, every time I get a chance and we're discussing this, I said, listen, let me, let me show you how simple it is. If you could lose your salvation, then Jesus would have to be crucified all over again. Amen? And therefore, He's only going to be crucified once. And so if you're going to get saved at all, you're going to get saved once. You're not going to get saved a half a dozen times. Jesus is our foundation rock. Matthew 16, verse 18. Upon this rock, I will build my church. Now in 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, For the foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Christ Jesus. We are to build our lives in upon the rock of ages, the Lord Jesus Christ. I know that church has dogmas or uh, things that the church is built upon, and they talk about uh, these are our doctrines of the church. We, I believe with all my soul, everything that a Christian ought to build his life on is the Bible, the Word of God, on the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, you know why I don't smoke? Because I think the Bible says that we ought to keep our bodies holy unto the Lord. Amen. You know why I think we ought not to drink uh, hard uh, liquor and so on? It's because the Bible says to make a difference. If you get over there, you, t- you find in the Old Testament... Uh, where the priest came and he, God told the priest, said, you're not to drink any kind of any fruit of the vine to make a difference. Did you know a child of God is different than the world? We build our rock on not doctrines. We don't build our life on doctrines of the church and, and government doctrines and everything else. Uh, listen, here's one thing I believe sincerely. I'm, a, I'm so thankful to God that I'm American. Amen. I thank God for our Constitution. I thank God for the laws of our country. I thank God for the people that God puts in office in in our government. But if they go against the doctrines of God, I'm going against them. My doctrines are built, our foundation, my foundation of life itself, the principles of life itself is built upon the Lord Jesus Christ. He's my solid rock. 
Amen? If you build your rock on a preacher, it'll crumble. If you build your life a rock, if you build your life upon the church, it'll crumble. And and you could go on and on. Anything in this world, if you build your life on your money and your riches, or whatever you want to say you're building your life on, it'll crumble. But if you build your life on the Lord Jesus, you're steadfast and you'll keep right on going. Amen. Jesus is a rejected rock. First Peter chapter two, verse seven and eight says that Jesus is a rejected rock. Now, this tells me many will reject Jesus our Savior as their rock then. You know it don't discourage me like it did when I first got saved. When I first got saved, I thought I could win the world. I mean, I'm going to go out and lead everybody to Christ. Everybody's going to get saved. I got saved. Everybody ought to listen to me. And I took my Bible, started knocking on doors, and I found out very quickly, ain't everybody going to get saved. And everybody's not going to like you if you're going to tell them how to get saved, and Jesus is a Savior. And I got discouraged, and I found out there are people out there that's going to reject the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that don't bother me then. Because I built my salvation on the foundation rock. It's going to stand. Just because if you reject Christ as your Savior, don't mean I'm going to reject Christ as my Savior. One of the men that I highly respected right after I got saved was a Paul Schwartz Concrete Product Company years ago, and he was an Orthodox Jew. And I took my Bible right after I got saved, and he had done so many wonderful things for me and my family. And I went to his office, sat down with him, made a appointment, went there to see him. And he, I said, Paul, I want you to go to heaven with me. And he said, what makes you think I ain't going to heaven? And anyhow, he went through it with it, and I found out something. A man that I highly respected, a man that helped people all the time, done things for people. I looked at him, and I said, I declare, I can't believe Paul's going to reject the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I could have went away there discouraged. But I found out something. Uh, Jesus is a rejected rock. As much as I think of the Lord Jesus, there are people in this world that's going to reject Him. Jesus is a crushing stone. Revelation 6, verse 15 through 17. Did you know, you know we need our rock, Jesus, for four things. Number one, I need Him for sorrow. When trouble comes, I need the Lord. Amen? I need Him by my side. We need our rock, the Lord Jesus, to hide from the devil. I don't know about you, but the devil gets after me every day of my life. And you know what? I don't, I'm not going to fight the devil because I know I can't beat him. But I know one who can, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And I like what Brother Roloff said years ago. He said, when the devil comes knocking, send Jesus to the door. Amen? And he's defeated. Uh, we need... Uh, our rock, our crushing stone for sin. Every time sin crops up into our life, we need the Lord Jesus Christ to defeat sin in our life. We need for the, our rock of salvation for safety and shelter in time of storms in our life. We need our rock of salvation. I'm so glad tonight that i got a foundation that's secure. Amen? I mean it's steadfast. I learned something in building. A building's no better than the foundation it's built on. You can put the most beautiful stones on a building. 
You can put the most beautiful carpet on the floor. You can make it everything in that building the most beautiful things that you can get a hold of. But unless that's the right kind of cement and the right kind of steel and the right kind of things in that foundation, it will crumble. And what we got to understand is we got a foundation to stand. Amen. I hope I ain't <coughs> seeing things out of turn. But I do believe that we're right on the verge of times that preachers, when I first got saved, said was coming. And that is that the church is going to be uh, in trouble in the last days. And there will come times that people of the Lord's going to have to take a stand for certain things. Did you read, and I can't remember the preacher out there in, in California that's on TV and on the radio all over the place, and, and I got great respect for this man. He said the other day on national TV, I'm going to open my doors to my church. I'm going to have a Sunday school church just like ever, I always have been. And he's packed it out. And he said they can arrest me. They can do it. And guess what? They arrested him yesterday. John MacArthur. And they put him in jail for taking a stand. What I'm trying to say is, did you know how close it is to this church? Every Bible-believing church in the world, in the United States, is that close to being shut the doors of. And can, did you see where they uh, passed a law in some state or another? I think it's in California that only ten people can go to church to any size church. Only ten people can go and assemble together in any size church. A little church, big church, don't matter what. Well, you can't exist like that. Amen. And by the way, who's going to choose the ten that can go? Amen. And so what I'm saying is the devil is attacking the church today. And one reason that I think that this is such an important message is we need a foundation that's not going to move. And my Lord is the same yesterday and today forever. And if I could trust Him ten years ago, I could trust Him today. And He's going to take care of us. Amen. I believe it 100%. Stand with me, please. Heavenly Father, would you bless your people tonight? We're so thankful that we're saved by the grace of God and we've trusted you to save us. We've trusted you to keep us thus far. And therefore, Lord, I know you can keep us from here on. And so I ask you to bless your people tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing something, please. Turn to page 13, please.